0: What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Dylan LeClaire is the Senior Market Analyst at UTXO Management. He also writes a newsletter with Bitcoin Magazine. In this conversation, we talk about Bitcoin, on-chain metrics. We talk about Bitcoin's price, the market structure, and what to expect in the coming weeks. I really enjoyed this conversation with Dylan, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by the Bitcoin 2022 Conference. Bitcoin 2022 is the largest Bitcoin event in the world that takes place April 6th through the 9th in Miami Beach, Florida. All four days will be jam-packed with exclusive content, exciting announcements, and an incredible lineup of Bitcoin speakers, artists, and leaders. Day one is industry day for enterprising Bitcoiners who are looking to build a business or career within the ecosystem. Days two and three are general conference days featuring speakers like El Salvador President Nayib Bukele, CEOs like Michael Saylor, Elizabeth Stark, Jack Maulers, Adam Back, and hundreds more. The conference caps off on the fourth day with the world's first and largest Bitcoin music festival, Sound Money Fest, headlined by rapper and fellow Bitcoiner Logic, featuring artists Kay Flay, Moe, Royal, and The Serpent, Apache, Asadi, and more. Stay tuned for the upcoming lineup announcement. Last year's conference sold out and this year's is on pace to be three times larger. So make sure you grab your tickets before it's too late. Visit b.tc conference to learn more. Again, that's b.tc conference to learn more. Ticket prices increase on January 14th. Use promo code POMP for 10% off and I will see you in Miami. Today's episode is brought to you by Fundrise. You all know I believe that the best investors both understand and seek out extreme asymmetry. Fundrise is here to help you do just that. It's the largest direct-to-investor real estate investment platform out there, giving you the opportunity to achieve upside of an asset class previously reserved for institutions and high net worth individuals. That's right. Fundrise is making high-end private market real estate investing accessible to everyone via an easy-to-use automated platform. It's 1 million users already know that the investment with Fundrise is capable of producing strong appreciation returns and income generation while helping to stabilize a diversified portfolio. That's more important now than ever in our inflationary environment. See for yourself how over 190,000 other investors have built a better portfolio with private real estate. It takes just a few minutes to get started with as little as $10. Go to fundrise.com POMP today. And for a limited time, you'll get $10 when you place your first investment. Again, that's fundrise.com POMP. Go check it out. And when you make your first investment, they'll give you $10 on top of it. Fundrise.com slash POMP. Today's episode is brought to you by Brave. Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. What's Web3? Web3 is freedom from big tech and Wall Street, more control and better privacy. But there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. Most wallets are browser extensions, a Web2 technology. That means the same old risks, app spoofing, phishing scams and theft. Brave Wallet is different. Brave Wallet is the first secure wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser no extension required with brave wallet you can buy store send and swap assets manage nfts even connect other wallets and DApps, all from the security of the best privacy browser on the market whether you're new to crypto or a seasoned pro it's time to ditch those risky extensions it's time to switch to brave wallet download brave at brave.com pomp and click the wallet icon to get started again go download brave at brave.com slash pomp and click the wallet icon to get started all right, let's get into this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, let's get into Bitcoin. Obviously, Bitcoin went down a lot. Uh, start of the year, uh, December and January, uh, pretty big price drawdowns. But now Bitcoin has come back. It didn't die, didn't go to zero. All the bears are wrong. <laughs> They're stunned in disbelief. Uh, let's start with uh, just price weighted by hourly. Uh, perps funding rate. Obviously, we, uh, last week and the week before, you were talking a lot about the funding rates and, and kind of waiting for negative funding. What, what are you seeing now? What's this telling us?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we got it uh, you know, we talk about derivatives a lot here. Um, and, and really we like this graphic a lot to show kind of, uh, the bearishness or bullishness in the derivative market. So, uh, when there's negative funding, essentially what that means is that derivative bets, you have longs paying shorts, or I'm sorry, shorts paying longs, uh, when, okay, let me spit it out here. Uh, when, when this line is red, what you have is, is longs are being paid by shorts. So uh, when you see kind of a, a short squeeze in Bitcoin and Bitcoin's going vertical, oftentimes what's happening is in derivative markets, you have uh, shorts that are being forced uh, forced to become buyers or they're, they're actually being liquidated, margin called in, in the legacy system is what it's called. And so uh, you have kind of that organic spot price, but oftentimes when you see these volatile moves uh, at tops and at bottoms, oftentimes it's, it's really the derivative markets that's, that's driving the price action. Uh, and there's these forced unwinds that are happening. So we, we kept talking about, Will talks about it a lot. Uh, when we're going to get a regime of like negative funding. What that means is that you're, you're getting times where you're, shorts are paying longs to enter a position. They're paying longs to sit in a derivative long position. And so we saw that. We saw that at the bottom. And we saw as prices going up, funding was staying negative. So so what that means was that that perpetual swap price was under the, the spot market price. So whether it's on Binance or FTX perpetual swap or BitMex, it was under say the price of Bitcoin on Coinbase. It was under a spot Bitcoin market price. And so that you can think of like I like this analogy a lot. When funding is negative, when when you see that positioning under the spot price, it's like a beach ball underwater. And so uh, it wasn't as significant as say market twenty twenty or even this summer, but this kind of recent squeeze we've got, this, you know, we've almost kind kind of vertical to forty four thousand or, or around there. Um, it's because of you know, the derivative bets that have started to really unwind. And so uh, you know, that's what happens when,
0: when bears get uh, too bearish at the bottom. Got it. And so if we look at the supply held by whales, that seems to uh, be significantly changing. And they just seem to be gobbling up Bitcoin right now, holding as much of it as they possibly can.
1: Yeah. So we have here, uh, we have uh, basically a 30 day uh, percentage change of whales and retail. And so uh, with the blue pattern is uh, the blue color is when both of these cohorts are accumulating. And so you can kind of see like you can think of whales as like the smart money and and maybe they're not so smart just as much as they they really can, uh, you know, change the market structure just with how much capital they have. Um, So when you see both retail and whales accumulating, uh, it's usually, you know, somewhat of a bottom or like it's a a pretty good time to buy. And so recently we seen we saw retailers continued to buy the entire drawdown. Whales were actually distributing and and recently that flipped. So both whales and retail are, are big buyers here. And we've seen that over the last month or so. And so uh, I think that's a trend that's that's pretty good to see and, and we'll see if it continues into the future.
0: Got it. And so then if we move and we look at actual uh, retail entities and uh, the whales, when you start to compare these uh, over like the 30-day uh, percent change, to me, what is a little bit hard to understand. Maybe you can kind of help clarify this is it doesn't seem like there's been that big of, uh, uh, kind of Delta or movement, uh, since maybe December or so. How do you, uh, look at this? And then if you look over kind of the last few years, what are you seeing here?
1: Yeah. So I think, uh, maybe I think our our slides were mixed. I I changed it. Uh, so right, right now I'm looking at the, the supply held by only whale entities. Um, so, so we're seeing that, that accumulation happen. Um, and and we saw that distribution at the at the basically the top of the bull market and, and into the downturn. And we saw that distribution kind of flip uh, from November as uh, as as that CPI print came in really hot. And Powell said, you know, hey, we are wrong. Inflation's not tr- not transitory. Uh, and you saw somewhat of the smart money, like the you know the, the big whales, start to distribute a little bit. So that's flipped in accumulation mode again. Um, and really, like you know these these thirty day trends, um, it's interesting to monitor. Uh, but, but the reality is, uh, for the most part, Bitcoin's always in an accumulation mode for, for most or a lot of market participants and new market participants. Uh, it's really just kind of uh, incumbents, how much do they control and what are they doing? And so we're seeing that accumulation happen again. Uh, and rightfully so, with Bitcoin kind of down 50 percent from the all time highs. Maybe not now. I think we're actually like 40 percent, 30 percent off the bottom. Uh, so quite a good bounce. But uh, it, it's good to see that those whales, that traditional smart money crowd, step in big at at 30 low 30k
0: range okay and now this next chart i think is one of the most important ones in all of bitcoin which is the correlation between the nasdaq and bitcoin and obviously given all the feds uh interest rate comments and and kind of the anticipation of them raising interest rates uh bitcoin's been treated up until the beginning of february as a risk asset there's been a heavy heavy correlation between uh bitcoin and the nasdaq but it seems to decoupled now what does this mean and, and what are you seeing here
1: yeah, so that rolling four week correlation at six hundred six hundred seventy two hour here. Uh, this is Nasdaq futures and Bitcoin. It uh, got as high as like point nine four. Right now, it's at point eight nine. But if you're just looking at the chart, Bitcoin has a, you know quite a big pop. Uh, you know, one of the days it was up I think ten percent uh, when when that short squeeze happened, and and the Nasdaq was flattered. I think a little bit down in the day. So uh, quite a quite a decent decoupling. And I don't think I think we're not you know out of the woods yet in terms of the heavy correlation between bitcoin and nasdaq or bitcoin and risk on assets i mean really the reality is everything's kind of a function of of the liquidity you know liquidity tide whether that's go, like pulling in or pulling out um and so i think really what you're seeing here is bitcoin often decouples or bottoms first um or even like uh forms a top first right if you're thinking about what happened in november because of kind of the the free market nature of bitcoin and also the derivative market it's the wild wild west uh, but that's the beauty of it so uh, bitcoin bottoms bitcoin decouples because there's these derivative dislocations that uh you know re- resolve in in big volatility moves to the upside or downside and so recently everyone got over bearish macro sellers i think basically it looked like they sold all of their coins or for the most part they just they didn't have any more coins to sell and those crypto natives those bitcoin natives stepped in and, and happily accumulated and and short squeeze and suit. And so that's why we saw that recent decoupling. And so, you know, we're going to monitor this relationship over the coming weeks, over the coming months, quarters, years. Uh, but I think it's, it's a pretty positive sign to see that, that pop uh, and kind of decoupling from the NASDAQ. And I, I can tell you one thing is that every risk manager worth their salt is looking at that relationship between those two
0: yeah completely agree, and I think that it 's a very good uh, positive development and one to keep paying attention to uh, we 've got a chart of the treasury yields, and uh, everything seems to be ticking up a little bit what uh, What are you seeing here?
1: yeah, so this is bond yields across the u s treasury curve um, you know we've been talking about bond market a lot uh, and and really you know inflation coming in at seven percent. The entire curve is still in real terms deeply negative um, but Interestingly enough, you see the, the short end of that curve really bending upwards. And this is before the Fed has, has hiked whatsoever. So Powell said, all right, we're going to hike. But really, the market is telling him he's got to hike or he's, you know, they're almost like, you know, moving his hand without him actually doing anything. The curve is uh, is telling the Fed what it's going to do. And I think this has a couple of different implications is one yields and the principal value of of bonds or uh, really debt securities is an inverse relationship. So as yields go up, the principal value of these these debt securities go down. And so especially on the on the long duration part of the curve, these these 10 year, 20 year, 30 year bonds, um, as as the the yields are ticking up, they're getting killed in principal value. Um, And I have a TLT chart. It's a long-dated treasury uh, bond ETF later in the slide deck. Uh, But but really the chart looks really, really ugly, not only in the treasury market, but, but across all debt and credit markets. And so Uh, this basically we can kind of see that there's some pain, uh, being felt in these, in these asset markets. Um, and you know, everyone likes to look at equity markets, myself included, but really credit markets, uh, tell a big picture. Uh, And what it's saying is that inflation, as well as I think the thing that's not very understood, uh, is kind of that solvency risk. Uh, it's, it's starting to pick up a little bit and we're, I think we're seeing somewhat of a a downturn in in the credit cycle. And so it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, how it all plays out going forward.
0: All right. Next, we've got the U.S. oil price. And uh, it's going up, baby. I remember at one point we got like, uh, what, what was it? The um, uh, futures in oil went negative uh, in uh, in 2020, which is a pretty wild uh, situation that uh, I wrote quite a bit about at the time. But this is the actual oil price, almost like the spot oil price, if you will. Uh, and it continues to tick up. Why, why is this important?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm no expert in, uh, in oil futures or, or the, these markets. But what I can say is that uh, kind of paradoxically, as oil ticks higher, uh, despite it, you know, thinking maybe it's inflationary, it's actually rather deflationary over over a kind of a medium term because uh, a higher oil oil price really impacts uh, corporate margins as well as consumer spending. Um, oil, not only oil, gasoline, but really everything that's a byproduct of oil, which is like almost everything we we touch and use in day to day life. Uh, as this ticks up, really. It, it, it's felt across the board for consumers, for retail, for corporate margins. And so uh, if we see $100 oil, $150 oil, I've seen some pretty crazy price targets. Uh, it's going to get kind of crazy. And I think uh, it, it's not good for uh, a lot of things in the broader economy. Uh, you know, a low oil price is, is, is better for, for the economy, that's for sure. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot of pain points here if, if oil continues to rip. And I think it's something that everyone should, uh, you know, have on their trading viewer, on their, on their dashboard.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. And then now we've got high yield bond ETF uh, JNK. What's going on here?
1: Yeah, so talking a lot about credit markets. Uh, you know, it's not everyone's favorite topic here, but it's it's something it's something to to really watch. Um, you know, it's it's under the surface, right? Everybody likes to look at equity indices, Bitcoin, uh, and I think over the the long term, Bitcoin is kind of not isolated from all of these things, but it has its own monetization process. But over the short term, when you see things like junk bonds, the high yield credit markets. Corporate bond markets really rolling over. Uh, it's a sign that something in the in the broader economy isn't too healthy. And so this is really telling a picture here. That, that's uh, the creditworthiness of a lot of these borrowers, uh, and really what what creditors are demanding in terms of yields. Because as these prices fall in these bond markets, yields are going up. And and the reality is creditors don't want to lend to junk borrowers at four or five six percent, right? Because inflation is seven percent. So before any default risk, you are are negative real yields and so so it's basically a guarantee to lose money and i think what people are starting to realize is inflation is not transitory why would i ever lend money at five percent when inflation seven or inflation is whatever the reading is this this next uh you know this next thursday and so uh it's it's a really interesting dynamic that's occurring here and i think uh if we see junk bonds if we see these corporate bonds really start to sell off in a big way there's gonna be liquidity and solvency problems across the the broader economy uh, and I think that's something that despite the you know the recent bounce in equities, despite the the VIX coming down uh, from from a tie of like 38 over uh, about two weeks ago, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. And I think uh, it's going to be one of the bigger stories of 2022.
0: And then lastly, let's talk on the uh, 20-year Treasury ETF. What, uh, what do you see here with TLT? Yeah, so this
1: is just that uh, when we were looking at the government bond yields, this is just the principal value. This is actually like uh, the real value of those notes. So uh, if you're just looking how far it's down from the 2020 high, even from the from the 2021 high, uh, there's a lot of pain being felt here. Uh, there's a lot, there's tens of trillions of dollars. Uh, well in, in, but there's $30 trillion in government debt. Not all of that's 20 year long dated, but, uh, basically the, the, the value of every asset in the world is based on, on, on the value of, 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 these debt markets. And so, uh, when there's pain being felt here, uh, you know, there, there's knockoff effects in equities and even Bitcoin to an extent as is basically, uh, you know, a function of, of what these markets are saying, what that cost of capital is based off of in these markets. And so if inflation continues to be persistently 7 8 even 10%, if we, if we start to get, you know, kind of crazy with these inflation prints, uh, there's going to be a lot of pain felt in these debt markets. Equities are going to have a very hard time doing well. And I think over the short term, if there are any kind of, you know, macro allocators, I know there are you know, people in the crypto, Bitcoin uh, kind of world that don't even care about any of this and are just stacking regardless. Uh, but there are there are kind of broader effects on on balance sheets and 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 the broader macroeconomic landscape when debt markets are are saying these these things. Um, and so all these things are rolling over. And I think uh, you know it might be uh, you know an opportunity for buying opportunity uh, coming up.
0: Completely agree, Joe John. What questions you got, Dylan? I just want to know what the vibe is like down there in Austin. What are people saying at the conference? What are you guys talking about?
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of big mining companies here. Uh, Riot. I mean just. Across the board, a lot of publicly traded miners. So having really cool conversations. I can't lie; a lot of it goes over my head. I feel. I mean, I'm I'm learning a ton, but uh, I mean, it's it's exciting. There's a bunch of different kind of like innovative things I don't even know are happening. Immersion mining, all of this stuff. Uh, I mean, it feels like we're really on the cutting edge here. And, and the, I guess the the vibe is that despite it, you know, everybody feeling like you know we're 12, 13 years into this, it's it's still really, really early. Uh, and a lot of oil and gas guys are here, and they're kind of they're kind of blown away with. With what they're seeing from the mining side of things um so it gives me a lot of hope that you know uh, despite it feel like you know we're, we're really deep into this it's still really really early for for most people in the world and that's uh you know that's obviously there's opportunity there
0: it's a good sign dylan how do you excuse me dylan how do you view kind of the macro sense of things we were comparing crypto adoption to the internet adoption earlier in the show uh what are your thoughts around like that chart that's gone viral
1: yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's pretty good comparison. Um, I think it's, you know, in terms of like users, uh, every user in Bitcoin or crypto isn't, uh, you know, isn't comparable to say, you know, the internet or, you know, maybe like the telephone, telephone adoption, cell phone adoption, because, you know, one user's capital isn't equal to another. Uh, but in terms of just broader adoption, Bitcoin's not even a trillion dollar asset, uh, it obviously passed that threshold earlier, but there's, you know, a few hundred trillion dollars of, of monetary energy, uh, as some people like to say out there. And so, uh, Bitcoin's continuing to monetize. It's continuing to just serve as a black hole for, uh, for, for capital. Uh, and I think that we're still probably in the second or third inning, maybe maybe even not even that far. So uh, very exciting and, and obviously got a long way to go, but we're just starting to see uh, things. I've heard some rumors actually of some, some, uh, some pensions and some, some other big allocators over the past couple of weeks here uh, starting to dip their toes. So we've been talking about it, but I think it's coming to fruition now. Uh, and that's
0: obviously very exciting. Glad to have a guy like you on the road for Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, t- Appreciate it. T- Dylan, last question for you is, uh, how much of the conversation there at the uh, mining conference is about price versus hash rate or, or some of the underlying fundamentals and lead times of hardware, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously prices, it, it matters. Uh, but the reality is, I think, anybody that has a, a decent uh, source of power, and a lot of these are like, contract negotiated, mm-hmm. They're really, really deep in the money. Um, the margins for a lot of these publicly traded miners are like are actually extremely wide, um, and so you know, price even when it goes to 30k, like it's it's nothing but a thing for these miners. Uh, I think the the real thing that's kind of shocking is that a lot of these lead times for stuff like generators, for ASICs, for rack space, uh, it's 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 crazy. Uh, you know, backed up for for almost you know a year, maybe two out. Um, I, I heard that a couple of publicly traded miners have like. You know three four five six x a hash worth of miners so like two to three percent of the entire network's hash rate currently just on pallets so, so what that mean you know they have the ASICs, 6 they they've already bought them but they just don't have a place to plug them in and so you know everybody's scrambling to build out infrastructure to plug these things in um, and it takes time and so you know obviously there's there's a you know that's gonna come and that's going to be built out but you know there's a there's a lot of people working really hard on this and especially in North America so uh, it's, it's exciting for 2022 and beyond to see what, you know, what comes of that.
0: Yeah. That, that um, it, it's very interesting to to kind of see that miners, you know, to some degree, they're so in the money that uh price move is, you know, it's not that they don't matter, but they're just so much less susceptible to them, whether it's 35,000, 43,000, 60,000, you know, it, it's just all Bitcoin to them at that point. Um, and, uh, and if they can hold it, obviously that's uh, that's pretty beneficial um and, and it feels like that's where a lot of them have uh, have ended up now right yeah did you see what happened uh with with the texas grid like last week Yes, yeah, um, right has it, negotiated explain explain real quick what happened with uh with the miners in texas
1: yeah so right negotiated uh with the texas grid ercot to basically uh you know buy power at a at a fixed price uh, but uh when there's kind of these you know times of of excess demand uh from the grid Riot agreed to sell that power back to the grid at, a, at a, actually a pretty high price because because that demand is so high, and so uh, Riot makes a lot of money mining Bitcoin. But when that Texas grid is really really stressed, they happily shut off their machines and they sell that power back to the grid at actually a higher price than what they would get mining Bitcoin. So they win, the Texas energy grid wins, uh, the people that actually need the power wins uh, because their mining Bitcoin creates excess you know demand for Bitcoin or for energy when when no one else is using it. Uh, So so overall, you see like people like the Texas governor championing Bitcoin mining as as something that builds out a more robust grid. So uh, this is something that's, you know, still very like not well understood in mainstream circles, but it's increasingly become, you know, more of the mainstream conversation. And it's really, really encouraging to see that happen because just a couple of years ago, it would have been, you know, unbelievable. And now it's just nothing but a thing.
0: Yeah, it's uh, uh, completely contrary to the public narrative of like mining is bad, all of a sudden people in those geographies, they're very happy that miners are there, right? <laughs> like they're, they're, they're uh, uh, thankful to some degree. And uh, that doesn't mean that there's not more work to do, not more improvements to make, but definitely uh, not the public narrative, I think. that, uh, that, that it's, Elizabeth it's bl-
1: Warren is in disbelief.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she, she, along with many people, uh, which is uh, which is pretty comical to me, but hey, they'll all figure it out eventually, my friend, as you already know. All right, let's do a quick follower check. How, how are we looking on uh, on followers for you? Where where are we at? Woo! crossed 120. 500 k by the end of the year. You think you think he's, he's got laughing? That? I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, too Dylan, far can out I, of range. can I give you a uh, can I give you a suggestion on, uh, yeah. on on the Twitter Shoot. game? I think that you should get rid of your current profile picture and we should just like screenshot you just like this. And then you put that <laughs> as your, as your Twitter profile. <laughs> Screen grab it. You, you are the only, you are <laughs> the yeah. only person that has successfully conducted an interview on this, uh, on this show with their sunglasses on the entire time, which I respect. Gotta be a first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Listen, That's thank you for taking it. the time to do this while you're at the conference. Uh, anyone who does not follow you on Twitter, you're missing out. Anyone who's not subscribed to the newsletter, Go. Don't click let me read it first. Just type your email in. Hit subscribe. That's the best way to do it. And you uh, and get all the good information. <laughs> That's true. Got to ape into it. Yeah, just, just go. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Be safe. Travel back. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Later. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed this one. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And if you're looking to try to transition to get a new job in the Bitcoin or crypto industry, we've got you covered head over to pompscryptocourse.com. We've developed a curriculum with the top teams across the industry. It's a three-week intensive training program with over 50 events packed into that three-week time period. Go to pompscryptocourse.com to learn more and I'll meet you guys for the next episode.